This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. All right, Shane from Firearms Owners United. Good afternoon. How you going? Excellent. All right, Firearms Owners United, I guess right next door to us at uh, number, what are we in, 36 37. or 37? Oh, we're 37. I think 38. Are they 38? Yeah. Uh, right next door to us here at AHP. Tell us about Firearms Owners United coming here today. Have you been chatting to a few people? Yeah, we've had a really good response from a lot of people. Um, you know, yesterday we absolutely smashed it. We spoke to, I reckon, probably at least uh, 30 or 40 people. Um, we've had a really good response today. It's been a little bit quieter, but usually is on a Sunday. Yeah. But um, we're getting a really good response, yeah. What what issues are people bringing up to you guys? Probably the biggest issue that's been brought to us is probably appearance laws. Um, a lot of people have gone, you know, w- what is the point to it? You know, yeah. just because it looks like something doesn't make it so. That's my pet hate. <laughs> you, don't like, you don't like appearance oh, laws? I hate it. No. I hate it. Worse than communists. What, what, <laughs> what are people saying to you about appearance laws? Well, obviously, they don't like it. What are they saying? Well, obviously, they don't like it, but... You know, when you've got the appearance laws, which are basically saying if it looks like a machine gun, it must be a machine gun, which is absolute nonsense. Um, a, a lot of people are frustrated, like their DTA being banned and yeah, things like that. Yeah. You know, that was a big thing. Um, it, 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 there's no evidence to support a public safety benefit to banning these firearms. Exactly. Um, so why are we doing it? You know, it's 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 just another it's, way. It's unreasonable, and yeah, it's, it's just. Just another way to bloody mess with gun owners, in my opinion. There's yep. no no net benefit from it at all. Yeah, and we've just seen. What are you guys selling over there? Hats. You've got. Uh, we've got hats. We have t-shirts. The uh, no one needs an Adler t-shirt. <laughs> That's always uh, a popular one, isn't I it? I got my one on today. Oh dear, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's it's been a very popular seller. Uh, it, it's funny how many uh, how many ladies we've had come past going, oh, quick, quick, you've got to come and buy this to their husband. You know, <laughs> husband comes along, and goes, oh, I didn't think you'd let me buy it. You know. <laughs> so uh, we've got the hats, we've got the t-shirts, we've got the morale patches. Uh, we're taking memberships. I've got the laptop set up there, so if anyone wants to come and join Firearm Owners United as a paid-up member, then we can do that for you as well. All right, I'll throw a bit curveball then. What does membership entail? What are they going to get for it? So obviously you know that, we're, that Firearm Owners United is a lobbying group. Um, what we've got at the moment is that we're working really hard in the Cootamundra electorate. Uh, they've got a by-election coming up after Katrina Hodgkinson has resigned her position there. Uh, we've paid for a front-page ad on the Cootamundra Herald. Uh, we're looking at a couple of billboards to go up in Cootamundra, and we're really encouraging the people of Cootamundra to elect the nationals out and hopefully see the shooters and fishers come in. Yeah. Anyway, is, there any, is there any other pro-gun parties running? In Cootamundra, oh, I'm I not sure. Know. Just so long as the Nationals don't get in, I'll be happy. Yeah, and we saw... All the it, Greens. All, well, that's <laughs> another one, yeah, sorry. That goes without saying, but... True. Yeah, we yeah. saw the advertisement, tell them about that. There was an advertisement, and it was the Cootamundra Herald. Correct, yeah. Uh, saying, don't basically don't vote for the Nationals, which I made a few videos just yeah. recently about the Nationals as well. Yeah. This is something we've been lacking in Australia, having like a, a proactive pro, uh, lobby group. Yeah. I was really surprised, and, and, and I really was happy to see that. Yeah. 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 Well... The Nationals have been betraying uh, law-abiding law firearm owners 100%. for the last 20 years, you know, um, and rural Australia between, you know, voting for the National Firearms Agreement, ammo bills, uh, the reclassification of the Adler, um, thanks Troy Grant, yeah. um, 
and and that sort of thing, as well as you know council amalgamations and the LAC amalgamations in those areas, which are really big issues for regional Australia. And did you guys see the? Probably you probably did see it the other day too. Uh, Troy Grant and Phil Donato, they were having it. You see that video? They I saw that video. That's yeah, the, that that's the only thing. I, I, I must admit, I dislike the Nationals as well. But I just also think too. I mean, will you? I guess this segues into my next question. Will you guys work with the government because? at some stage throughout the future because I mean if this is the relationship I mean you saw that you saw the video didn't you yeah I loved it and don't get me wrong it was great but I think there was some real angst between those two people so if if that's the angst between Shooters and Fishers and the Nationals which is I guess uh, I guess the Nationals haven't represented the interests of people in that area Mm. but also do but for the firearms owners of New South Wales that's not good also too for the fact that we're probably never going to get anything from the Nationals since he's the police minister until at least 2019, until the election comes around in New South Wales, we're probably never going to achieve anything in regards to gun laws in New South Wales. Well, we're, not, we're not getting anything from him now at the moment. So yeah, you're right. You're you right. You know what I mean? What do we, we do? What well, do we, we do? To, That's the question. What we do have we do? to vote in more pro-gun voices into the Senate That's yeah. or, or the um, upper house. I, f- I found it very uh, almost uncomfortable to watch the entire thing. I, I felt that Philip Donato was more than entitled to his opinion. Um, I mean, was sort of very used to seeing that sort of thing happening in politics. Oh, it's all at the a moment. bit of a bit of a you know, yeah, yeah. bit of an act as well from yeah. like, from yeah. all parties, isn't it? Really, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, a, it's almost like children, children, good theatre, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but what I found disappointing was that we we don't have that sort of um, you know Troy Troy Grant got very upset and very angry and very aggravated. You know, yeah. of course you're going to be attacked. You you're a polar opposite of what you're supposed to be, and you're being attacked by somebody who's taking up that role. The truth hurts, and, 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 and the truth hurts, yeah, and true, it, true. and the whole thing just degenerated. Like, and, and then when the speaker turns around and said, "I oh, will put you in the naughty corner," <laughs> oh my god! It's like we're back at school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but in so saying, I mean that attack needed to be made. I mean mm. Troy Grant needs a reminder that he's there to serve the people, That's and right. by the way that they've been punishing law-abiding firearm owners, that's just not happening. Yeah. He's not serving anyone but his liberal lapdog, oh, liberal masters. That's yeah. why I'm just... I thought it was good. I, I like just, it. I just, think some, yeah, <laughs> I just think sometimes I want to make sure that we give, him, we give him grief, and I love giving him grief too, but then we've also got to... You know, sometimes we've got to you know, mould them to what, hopefully what we want to try and get at some stage during the future, if we can, if possible. Mm. Perhaps I'm being a little bit naive, but at the end of the day, if we do piss them off a lot... Are we going to get? Are we, are we going to have some good outcomes for firearms? And it's probably not. I, I think that they need to be a little bit more pragmatic about it. I think they need to realise that we are going to continue to attack. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We took Orange. We're going to take Kurtamundra. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll take Murray, and yeah. hopefully it won't stop there. We're going to keep on taking seats and replacing them with firearm-friendly parties. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Nationals sure as hell aren't that. So um, I, wa- I wonder if another one goes, you know, Kudamundra goes to another pro-gun party. What will whether they'll be freaking out? Because obviously they haven't really listened after Orange, have they? They're no. still saying the same yeah, things. They haven't listened right, at yeah. all. Well, well, we've just got to keep on reinforcing that lesson. You know, every time you go, well, that won't happen again. We'll make it happen again. Yeah, and that's what Firearm Owners United are about. We're going to make sure that these people understand that if you fail to learn the lesson, we will take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the the Nationals think that. It was luck, and they're only holding that seat temporarily until the election in 2019. That's what I think the Nationals are thinking. Well, that's our seat. You're just seat-warming it for another couple of years until we get back in. I mean, the Nationals posted a, an image on their uh, Facebook page recently, you know, um, 
from their big meeting that uh, oh, yeah. the National no, Firearms yeah. Agreement, you know. No more um, increase. Education, make yeah. sure it's going to be, re- you know, what's the word they use? You know, e- results, evidence and evidence based. based. I exactly. call it propaganda. <laughs> that's it's election me. time. Yeah. <laughs> that to me Wait says that they're shit scared. Yeah, well, 100%. They're, they're horrified of yeah. the fact that they're going to lose that seat. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're now realising that the shooters are becoming a much more vocal um, community. We're all sort of... I mean, shooters have been apathetic for a long time. A lot of people have said, you know, oh, who's going to fight for me? You know, well, mm. Fight for yourself, you know. Yeah. We're, we're there fighting for you as well. But, you know, it's all well and good for a lobby group like Firearm Owners United. It's all well and good for Shooters and Fishers, LDP... One Nation, Cutters Australia, whoever, to step in and fight. But unless you're willing to support those parties, right, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and, and, the, and the lobby groups, then um, there's only so much that can be done. You need be to done, be, so. be that change that you want to see. Now, just getting back to um, Firearm Owners United, they're an actual organisation now, aren't they? They're official. Is it a not, not-for-profit or a non-profit organisation now? What? It's a not-for-profit organisation, yeah, um, and it's... An, an incorporated organisation now, so we are registered. So. Right, and are we seeing the birth of the Australian NRA today? Oh, you know, I would, oh, wow. I would like ca- to think so. Big yeah, call. I think so. I'd Big like, call. I'd like to be able to sit my kids on my knee or my grandkids on my knee in you know sixty years' time and say, you know, I was there when it all started. You know, that's right. Yeah. You can have your AR fifteen now. Yeah, I was sitting at their booth, you know, back yeah. in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, yeah. And what can people do um, to help out at Cootamundra in like two weeks or when, when the election's on? So ideally, what we would really like to see would be people volunteering their time as well as yeah. any financial um, donations they could make as well. Yeah. Um, we really need people for how to vo- handing out how to vote cards, um, you know, letterbox drops, things like that. Yeah. Uh, the pre-polling is going to be coming up soon. That's going to be a really important time to be doing all that sort of stuff as well. Um, so if they, if anyone is uh, looking to volunteer their time or anything like that, they can contact uh, uh, Firearm Owners United uh, through our Facebook yeah. page or through our webpage, um, and we can uh, we can work with you from there. And to it's, it's not just this election. It's like um, if it's, the, no, it's it's not just this election. Yeah. We're going to be lobbying uh, every election that we can. Yeah. Um, and any opportunity to get a pro firearm political party into power, yeah. we will be there to do our best to make that happen. Yeah. But of course we need your help to do it as the listener. When's the Cootamundra by-election or is it a couple of weeks away? Uh, it's October 14th I'm pretty sure. So we've got about what, four weeks? Uh, yeah, oh, a, are they a good a chance s- of getting that seat you reckon in, in Cootamundra? I don't know, I hope so. That's what I mean, because I know there was obviously in Orange there was a big push by 2GB, <laughs> yeah. Ray Hadley, Alan Jones, etc. So... I don't know, but um, I've got four spare seats in my car. I'm going for a road trip down there to help out. Yeah, awesome. What what made you become a firearm uh, owners united um, uh, admin or um, representative? Yeah, rep rep. Sorry. Well, when I joined Firearm Owners United as a rep, um, they were still um, a fledgling or- organisation. Yeah, um, hadn't been incorporated at that point, but yeah. you know, basically setting the mechanisms in place so that when we became an org. Uh, incorporated would uh, be functional yeah. um, I'd come from a couple of other Facebook pages you know just doing uh, online education and things like that you know yeah. trying to educate the public about what firearm ownership is really all about yeah. um, that we're not all just the brainless blood, bloodthirsty inbred redneck idiots that the mainstream media likes to portray it as as um, you know and and I st- Stumbled across, you know, Firearm Owners United as um, as they sort of came on the scene, sort of thing, yeah. and followed them, liked them, you know, liked what they were about, and then 
they started putting the word out, you know, we're looking for representatives. So I put my hand up. Yeah, great. And decided, you know, I, I want to be involved. You know, I, I want to make the change that yeah, we need. Yeah, so. That's what we need. How, how long have you been a, a rep for? I think it's probably been about two years now. I started when they were quite young. So. Yeah, yeah. And you seem as a positive force in the shooting industry and in, in the shooting scene. I believe that we are. Yeah. All the feedback that I've gotten from the people that I've spoken to today has yeah. been really positive. You know, oh, yeah, I follow you on Facebook. You guys are doing great work. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's really good to hear. So I like to think that we're making a positive change, and I think that uh, some of the goals that we've kicked, you know, as far as Cootamundra has made a difference. Were you involved in any advocacy for any other organisations prior to doing this, or you just thought one day, no, nah, I've got to start doing more? And um, All the stuff that I'd done previously was all sort of through um, other fi- uh, Facebook pages. Um, Precision Hunting Rifles was the big one that I was part of. Um, but, you know, I'd started a few smaller ones that had just sort of died off, and I sort of ignore now because I don't really have much use for them that yeah. they've got no followers they're not they used to be useful. big posters precision hunting rifles if i recall and they seem to have dropped off a lot um, correct in that because i remember i was like the page and i'm not seeing much of them lately but anyway yeah, yeah th- there's there's not a lot happening over there but i'm not going to talk about that sorry <laughs> oh okay no, i was wondering myself i used to follow the pages to see a lot of posts come up and i thought oh, i haven't seen much of them for a while but that's fine um all right what's happening for the for the future for firearms owners united and you've had a good response from people coming past haven't you it's been great i think yeah it's been really positive um a lot of people are very keen about our message have you had any issues with people not so keen today no it's uh, always interesting eh? people that like i see a lot of talk on facebook it's true isn't it yeah. saying about whether it's oh notice semi-autos for example but yet all these people come here it's always positive we don't we don't really hear any negatives do we i don't think it's very rare that you hear a negative i think i had one person mumble something to me and then walk off yesterday and you know so i've seen i've seen plenty on, online that have come up and go oh what a firearm owners you know to do blah 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 but ever since i've known them they've always had you know the intention of becoming a pro-gun lobby group and they've always had an intention of becoming incorporated and, and becoming a non-for-profit organization and it was just good to see them, them finally reach that, and they're, they're basically putting where, their money where their mouth is now, you know what I mean? We're not just a Facebook group and, and such. Yeah, well, it's, it's, we really are putting our money where our mouth is. Exactly. Um, I mean, we're always going to have critics. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, that's water off a duck's boat because that's it's right, a fact yeah. of life. You, know, yeah. you can't always please everyone. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, we are firearm owners united. We will that's stand right. and we will represent all shooters, yeah, yeah. You know, whether you're bench rest, target shooting, clay target, black powder, pistol, yeah. whatever, airsoft. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think the unity is one of the, the things that we need to, to get together because we're, at the moment we're divided and conquered. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of bitching and moaning between and egos and stuff like that and people getting banned from bloody shows and all that sort of stuff. We all need to show on a united front. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that ego is probably a very, very big thing in it and <laughs> money is probably another big thing. Yeah, yeah the I think two worst things, eh? Hey? Ego yeah, and money. money yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if we just throw religion in there, we've got a nice right mix. Yeah, um, it's a trifecta. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think that we as a community sort of uh, need to realise that we we can't all be the number one. You know, Firearm Owners United, of course we're going to aim to be the number one representative of firearm owners in Australia, but... You know, if someone else is doing good work, you know, we're more than happy to, you know, stand up yeah. and applaud them, you know, because at the end of the day, it's the firearm owners who are going to gain from it. That's right, yeah. And that's what we want to see. Yeah. yeah. And, and FAU posts a lot of stuff from all other pages all over there all the time and helps pr- promote other people and other Cross sites. Cross-promotion's good, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a nice constant mix, and I think yeah. it sort of brings people back together, you know. Reciprocity is always a great thing, you know. Like, yeah. you share our stuff, we'll share yours, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Excellent. All right, well, Shane, thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, Not Here a at the iHunt Expo at the Dame, Sydney Olympic Park. It's been a great day, and hopefully we'll finish off with a bang, so to speak. Yeah, it would be awesome. Sorry, I've got, got one last thing. I've got a Nathan Moore. I've got to ask myself, in this situation, what would Poppy do? What the, I, don't, don't I don't even know what that means. Nathan, Nathan will get it. Don't worry. All right, Nathan, well, that's a shout-out for you, Nathan, I guess. I've got no idea what he's talking about. Shane, this is my microphone. Yeah. Shane. I like my microphone. <laughs> thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, mate. How would you like to win an all-expense-paid trip to the U.S. to hunt the elusive Ordad sheep of the wild southwest? Burris Optics and Beretta Australia are giving away one fully guided Ordad hunting trip to the lucky owner of any recently purchased Burris Optic. For your chance to win, purchase any Burris scope, sight or binos from your favourite firearms dealer and enter the competition. But hurry, offer ends December 15, 2017. For more info, visit the Burris Australia Facebook page or Google Bag Yourself a Burris. Good luck and happy hunting from Burris Optics and Beretta Australia. We're here with Tina Moston from John John's, I should say, Reptile Awareness Displays. Good morning. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Welcome. Appreciate it. What are you guys doing over in the middle there? There seem to be some snakes displays going on. There sure is. We are doing venomous snake displays. So educating the general public here today and yesterday at the iHunt Expo on various venomous snakes found in this area. So we have a red belly black snake, we have a couple of death adders, a couple of tiger snakes and some eastern browns. And also educating people about first aid for snake bite and what to do. How did you guys get into this industry? We've worked in zoos and wildlife parks for several years and then got sick of working for other people. So I decided we should do this on our own. Obviously, this time of the year now, and this is important, I guess, for hunters if we're going out. In wintertime, do we need to worry as much about snakes in wintertime as we do in summertime? During the wintertime, snakes go into a brumation period. So their preferred body temperature is anywhere between 28 to 32 degrees. So in our cold winter months, they can't reach that temperature, being too cold. And when they don't reach that temperature, they can't digest food. So their activity levels are reduced. They're not out looking for food. Yeah. Um, but as it starts to warm up in this time of year, spring, 1st of September, yeah. they start to become more active. They come out of their hiding spots. Obviously, they haven't eaten for a few months, so the first thing they're going to be looking for is food. But also at this time, it's breeding season. Oh, so yeah. the males being yeah. more adventurous are going to travel long distances yeah. looking for a female to, to mate with yeah. and breed. Yeah. Where do they normally hibernate at? Because when I go out, obviously, in wintertime, we never see them. Do they go into logs, cracks? Because I never see them out in the open. I've been even, like, I guess, hibernation out in the open. No, do they normally find little nice spots to stay in? They sure do. Snakes tend to be more scared of us than what we are of them, surprisingly. Most people have a general fear of snakes. They've been brought up with it. Yes. Um, yes, But snakes are a lot smaller than us. So they're more scared of us. So they'll hide in hollow logs. They'll hide under rocks. Uh, they'll hide in, hide in abandoned, abandoned animal burrows in between long grasses and bushes, um, depending on the species. Death adders are very cryptic animals, so they camouflage themselves very well, hiding under leaf litter, depending on where they live, maybe under sand, yeah. up against rock ledges, that sort of thing. So they all find all these little nice nooks and crannies, and they may venture out of there but they won't venture too far. They'll stay right near their shelter site. So if they do see someone, they can quickly slither back in. A, a lot of people are, um, are worried about how uh, likely you are to be bitten by a snake when you're out. I know um, Jason wears gators when he goes out. And, like, I've been out hunting quite a bit. 
it, I don't even really give it a second thought. Like snakes are probably the last thing on, on, on my mind when I go out. Yeah, it's the first on my <laughs> mind, I tell you. All the time. I don't know why. How, how likely are you to be bitten if you're just tromping through the bush? Okay. Our Australian venomous snakes have the smallest fangs of all snakes in the world. Yeah. Um, so the eastern brown snake, which is responsible for the most snake bite deaths in Australia, their fang length is only approximately two to three mil in length. Right. So if you're outside bushwalking, wear some long, loose-fitting pants. Yeah. Wear some good, sturdy boots. A long-sleeve, loose-fitting shirt. If you're out gardening, put some gloves on. Yeah. Because if you do happen to accidentally step on these guys, yeah. their fangs aren't long enough to actually penetrate through the skin. They'll grab a hold of your clothing. Yeah. Um, as we get up to some larger species like the taipans, yeah. their fangs are about 12 mil in length. But they're up out of New South Wales yeah, here yeah. where our hunters are here today. So, um, if, if you do get bitten, um, how, how long have you got to get to hospital? Like I, I might be a little bit naive, but I didn't realise that actually people died from snake bites in Australia. I thought... <laughs> what? <laughs> where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, snakes aren't on my agenda really, but um, do, do a lot of people die from snake bites? And how long have you got to get to hospital? We have the most toxic of snakes out of the world. Yeah, I've, I've seen that meme online. Which means yeah. be prepared. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about that first. What do we yeah. do to do to be prepared when we actually go out? What should we take to if we do get bitten by a snake? Okay, so even though we have the most toxic, we don't have the most deadliest. Right. So places in other countries, say Indica, India, Africa, they have a million snake bite incidents every year. Half wow. a million of those people die from snake bite. In Australia, we only have three... For maybe maximum people get killed by snake bite. And that's usually because they aren't aware they've been bitten by a snake. Yeah. Or they haven't applied first aid or don't know what first aid for snake bite is. So first aid for snake bite is an elasticized compression bandage and immobilization. Yeah. So we have available here today the Cetapress compression bandages. And Cetapress, Cetapress compression bandages have rectangles on them. And when you pull those bandages to the correct tension, those rectangles turn into squares. And it lets you know that you've applied the bandage to the correct tension. That's a good idea. So you want to start, if I was bitten on my, on my arm, for example, yeah. I would start at my hand, leaving my fingertips exposed. I would continue up the entire length of my limb. Once I've reached the bite site, I would wrap that bandage three times around where I've been bitten and continue up until I reach my shoulder, making sure I'm overlapping the bandage as I as I wrap it around and pulling it at the correct tension. Is it okay to put multiple bandages on or just one is sure, sufficient? Sure, if that, if that bandage doesn't fit, you would then start with that bandage finished and continued on. Okay. If you wish to put another bandage on, no problem at all. Yeah. Then you would apply a splint and yep. put another loose bandage around that to keep that um, splint on. Yep. And then immobilisation. Yep. See, venom gets injected under our skin and then it travels through our body through our lymphatic system. Uh, when it reaches our lymph nodes, yeah. it gets into our bloodstream. Yeah. So with the compression bandage and immobilisation, yeah. we're trapping that venom at the bite site and stopping the flow of venom through our body. So if I had that bandage on and, immobil- and just put the bandage on and ran from here to the front gates here, my lymphatic system would be pumping. Right, yeah. So immobilisation... Yeah. We're stopping that lymphatic system working and stopping the flow of venom so through our body. W- once you realise you have been bidding, do you w- run to your car? 
Once once you get bitten or do you just walk there uh, slowly? If possible, if yeah. you've got someone with you, get them to call an ambulance for you. Okay. Because if you were to drive to yourself to hospital, your lymphatic, lymphatic system is going to be working. Right. So you just want to sit down and lay down. Yeah. Um, by all means, if you are by yourself and you've got no radio, um, no mobile phone reception, yeah. sure, take slow, steady movements until you get mobile reception. Or if you've got mobile 112 for emergency services when you're out of reception. Or slowly, steadily walk to your vehicle until you can get reception or help. And then get assistance to take you to hospital. Where do the majority of snake bites occur on the body normally? Is there generally a... Or what do people do normally that would contribute to a snake bite? Yeah, okay, people outside in the bush most likely are going to get bitten on the foot or the ankle accidentally stepping on a snake. Um, with an eastern brown... They, their defence posture is a double S position and they will launch and they generally get people from the knee up to the thigh. What percentage um, is that? Because I know I wear knee. I was talking to John, your partner, just yep. uh, yesterday. And what's the chances if I step on an angry brown snake or a tiger snake, no matter what is, what's the chances of them getting me, say, above the knee, between the knee and the thigh? Is there a large percentage or...? Yeah, the majority of eastern brown snake bites will be above the knee to the thigh. But remember, you're now going to be wearing loose-fitting long pants. So, yep, yep. And eastern browns have the small fangs, so only two, three mils. So it's not going to penetrate through your pants. Okay. If, if, they, if they, let's say you did get me, I had the, my pants on, they were loose fitting, but they did strike me on the thigh. Yep. Would I then have a look just to, would I be able to visually, visually see some blood that I'd, I'd been bitten? Definitely. Definitely. There will be blood if you get a bite. Yeah. Um, people assume with snake bite that there will always be a puncture wound. Not, necess- yeah. not necessarily the case. It could only appear as a scratch. Mm. So right. you would even treat a scratch or any signs of a bite as serious and apply first aid and seek emergency services as soon as possible. So never never walk out of there and that sort of thing, never walk out. I know this because I was talking to, again, your partner, John, just yesterday as well. Some people say, well, because I carry an EPIRB. Sure. And I thought, well, if I... Because I know a lot of people that carry um, snake bandages, for an example, and they go, oh, but I've got snake bandages. And I said, okay, so if you're three or four kilometres away from your vehicle and you get a snake bite, you can wrap it up. Then what are you going to do? What, die a slow death instead of a, a quicker one? <laughs> like, you know, like carry an EPIRB, carry some sort of a satellite you know, things. Like, that's the reality. People don't realise that when they go, oh, but I wrapped it up. Well, okay, well, then, then what? <laughs> then what? But um, So you guys do, you guys, uh, do not only the um, snake programs, what would you call them, exhibitions? Snake displays. Snake displays. Do you pick up snakes in the Sydney region if, you know... We uh, sure do. Sydney Central Coast. We relocate problem reptiles for people. Uh, We also go out to people's residential properties or commercial properties businesses and do site risk assessments if they have problems with reptiles Mm. and um, we'll have a look at their property and advise on how and what they can do to reduce the numbers of um, venomous snakes coming onto their property. Mm -hmm. We also run various venomous snake handling courses so not only to the private keeper who will keep reptiles at home but also people Working outdoors who may come across snakes and need to relocate those animals. So energy workers, railway workers, Telstra, police, fireys, ambos, construction workers. Um, Some of these companies don't like their staff relocating animals. So they'll get us to come out and do snake safety awareness seminars. We'll, We'll do a PowerPoint presentation. We'll educate them about snake identification uh, yeah. Snake behaviour, how to behave around snakes, PPE, and especially first aid for snake bite, 
and then we'll do a short half an hour display so they can not only just see the animals up on the PowerPoint pres- presentation but get to see what they look like up close and personal. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're outside of the pit while both of us are inside the pit, but they get to see how the snakes behave and how we behave around them. What about um, milking the snakes for medical purpose? Do, do you guys do that at all and send it to the... For, for the vaccines or whatever they have? For uh, John worked for many years at the Australian Reptile Park. Yeah. He was manager of Venom there, so his job was primarily to extract venom from some of the most yeah. dangerously and deadly <laughs> snakes for the manufacture of anti-venom right. for Australia. And what if you just spilt some of that venom on your hand without, without a, um, like a glove on? Would that actually go into your system as well too, if you spilt the venom on your hand? Um, no, but you would wash that straight off. Yeah. So our pores, it couldn't get through our pores okay. unless... You have a cut, a right. nick, or a scratch, yeah, and it will definitely you could receive an envenomation from that. Well, I heard you saying yesterday too that there's no, I guess what was the term, half life. I mean, on venom, if it's actually on your boot, I think I heard you saying. Well, can you just talk about that? Yeah, sure. They've done studies um, on somebody's boot, an old snake catcher from years ago. He did receive a bite from a taipan and there was some uh, venom left on his boot 70 years later they did some swabs and some testing and what they found is that venom on that boot 70 years ago was as good today as it was back then Wow! so if you get venom on your clothing the first thing you want to do is wash that off with cold water as soon as possible because just say you didn't wash those shorts or those pants or that jacket or whatever it is you're wearing for another 20 years and 20 years later, you've got a cut, a yeah, nick, or a yeah. scratch on your finger, and you accidentally rub that against where that, even though it's dried up venom now, you rub it against that dried up venom, you could still get envenomated. A couple of questions just to finish off quickly. So if I use, which obviously the, the best position is to make sure we've got bandages, the proper bandages supplied, if we have a, obviously if we use those said bandages, we've got a lot better chance of surviving than obviously not having, especially... If you haven't got a bandage and you're out somewhere where you're away from emergency services, the ideal position is to make sure we've got a bandage, correct? Exactly. Yeah. If somehow you have been caught out and you've forgotten your bandage, you left it at home, the best thing would be to rip off your jacket or your pants or whatever and use that clothing yeah. or a towel or whatever you have, a sheet close by and use that as a bandage. But nothing beats a set of press compression bandages. If we use the bandages, depends on the person how they react to the venom, have we got a fairly long time between where we can get medical care from using that bandage a lot, like a lot does it extend longer, the time? Does it extend the time of survival, obviously, and yeah. quite a considerable amount? Sure. Some people have presented at hospital with that bandage. They've immobilised the body, ended up in hospital, and they have not felt any symptoms for perhaps 12 hours, 14 hours later. Right. So that yeah. compression bandage and immobilisation definitely is going to prolong that venom getting through our system and, and saving our lives, essentially. What about the um, after effects of being bitten? Um, I know that when you get bit by a, a white-tipped spider, sometimes it can um, uh, do damage to your skin later on and it comes back every year. I don't know if that's an urban myth or, or not. Or internal damage as well, yeah. organ damage. Do you, do you have I mean, any long going? Because I have heard people that say that too. They've been bitten and even though they've had bandages on, they've taken a while to recoup and it has done in ta- damage to their internals. Is that, is that true? Exactly. Um, Especially with um, some of the species that we have in Australia. Um, Take, for example, tiger snakes. Um, A lot of people do uh, require dialysis for kidney failure, secondary to snake bite. So they may spend another 12 months in hospital on kidney dialysis. Yeah, but that's the extreme end of the scale. That's not just... That is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. Still, we want to know the... 
you know, the, the negatives if we, if we, you know, what happens if we actually get bitten by snakes. But yeah. all right, so people want to come, Tina. They want to obviously they're charged, obviously, which makes sense. You know, if there's a snake in my house, I've got yeah. to pay. Which people, some people, you know, get upset when they've got to pay for people to actually come to their house to remove a snake. God knows why. When certainly get, beats getting here, bitten. Here's a thousand dollars. Get out, get the snake, and get <laughs> yeah, it out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, with our high risk job, we do have to pay high, high insurance. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there a set fee you normally pay? If it's in the Sydney area, or is, just, is it by depending on how far you travel, etc. Yeah, usually around 100 to $150, depending on the difficulty of the job. If we have to go yeah. in somebody's roof or under somebody's sure. house yeah, or yeah, yeah. Um, pull apart a, a motor vehicle or some sort, mm. some sort of job like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, all right, I'm going to say there's a snake in my car. Come and pull my motor down <laughs> yeah. for me. For me and then in so, the gearbox. Don't joke like that. We have been out to jobs where they've asked us to move their woodpile. Not because they had a snake. No. They thought it was oh. a good idea. Oh, if we get these snake catchers oh, really? out, That's we'll get shady. our woodpile moved. Yeah. Dodgy. So, Tina, where do they contact? What phone numbers do they do? Do you have a website, etc.? How do they find yeah, out more sure. about you? Yeah, sure. So, they can either call John on 0416-922282 or myself on 0425-237-682. We also have a Facebook page, John's Reptile Awareness Displays. They can yep. click on that, like us there. Yep. And we also have a website. So our website is www.jmvenomoussnakes, so V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S-S-N-A-K-E-S. I think I got that right, didn't I? (laughs) jmvenomoussnakes.com.au. .com.au. Yep, perfect. All right, well, guys, if you've got any snake needs, uh, you know, Certainly ring John and Tina and uh, make sure you get rid of those snakes. And you also said you do these. How often do you do these uh, programs and exhibitions and stuff? We do them quite regularly. So we'll go out to country shows, expos, um, that sort of thing, fates, markets and that sort of thing. where People ask us to educate the public for them. That's does, great. The snakes scare you anymore? No, they don't no, scare you. No, no. I, no, I looked really. at the and I love the snakes, but they just freak me out. Something fit. They don't really freak <laughs> me out. They're really, I really enjoy looking at them, and especially when the I saw you before and try and get the brown snake to rear up into the S bend and stuff. And I'm like, just I see them on YouTube. It fascinates me no end, but, but it makes my skin crawl thinking about <laughs> them. You know. But uh, all right, Tina, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. I'm here on AHP chatting just about uh, you know our Australian snakes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email Podcast at gmail.com. All right, just talking with Corin Urquhart from Gamacon Artisan Knife Making. How are you going, mate? Very well, thank you. Awesome. Mate, tell us about what you guys do. Uh, we do all manner of knife making and blacksmithing supplies. Yeah. Hey, that, that's a lost art, blacksmithing, isn't it? Yeah, I that's was thinking, awesome. Yeah. There's uh, certainly a lot less people do it than many other hobbies, but yeah. um, there are people out there um, that are reviving the old art for sure. Do you feel like you're in Game of Thrones when you're making swords and stuff? Well, yeah, no, not particularly. No. Although uh, most of us have a pile of um, uh, unfinished projects that uh, you could probably make that throne out of. But yeah. oh, nice! <laughs> so give give us just a background of what you guys make. What do you do? Uh, we import all manner of equipment for knife making and blacksmithing. So you've got tongs, tools, burners for forges, um, yeah. stuff to get the metal hot, stuff to hit it, um, things to grind the steel and oh, the right. steels and materials as well. 
So what is there? One is there many blacksmith? Is it is it becoming more popular? Would you say is it? Oh, knife making definitely is an extremely popular hobby at this time. There's a group on Facebook that has uh, sixteen thousand members, for example, in oh, Australia, wow. yeah. uh, Australian blacksmiths, bladesmiths, and knife makers network. Um, some really good good people on that group, and uh, yeah. really good advice, and uh, it's a it's a good, helpful, supportive, open group. Yeah, great, awesome. So what what stuff are you selling? Because you're right across from us here at AHP. Tell us some few things people can purchase. Or well, they can come along and they can get just about anything that's required to make a knife from the steel right through to the handle material, the glue to hold it together, the pin and and so forth to uh, to fix the handle to the blade. Yeah. We sell everything. Uh, we also have grinders for grinding the blades and um, sharpening systems, which yeah. are a very popular sharpening system we do as well. Say for someone like me, I mean, obviously I want to become a knife maker. What skills are required to say, because we'll talk about knives, because that's obviously say what people, a lot of people probably would be interested in. How is it, is it easy for someone to start to make a knife? Yeah, we have a kit there that with basic hand tools, you can make a knife for about $30. Yeah, right. So you start off with, uh, it's got the handle material, the steel, uh, some pin material and some really good clear instructions on how to do it with basic tools. Yeah. So uh, if you can use a file, if you can use a hacksaw, uh, if you can use a rasp and um, some sandpaper, uh, you, you've probably got enough skills to make a pretty decent knife with uh, with some with some knowledge. What does it take to get sort of a decent edge on a knife? Does it take a lot of work? Is that the hardest part? Look, no, not really. Uh, we've got a system there called the Razor Sharp Paper Wheel System. You might have seen it on some of the hunting forums. Yeah, it sounds like something really I popular need. and yeah. raved about a lot. It's basically paper wheels that go on a grinder. Uh, it's very easy to get an excellent edge on with that system. I've got one on display on the other side there, so come around and have a talk. So what, what, what's the difference between like actually melting the metal and casting, uh, uh, say, a knife or just having having like a, a, a piece of spring steel and then actually making the knife out of that, which... Right, okay. Well, yeah. there's actually two ways to make a knife. If you melted the steel and tried to cast it into a knife, you'd end yeah. up with something that was um, less uh, functional oh, than really? if you take something that's been forged. So right. what, what they do, they cast steel and without getting into into a huge technical discussion I've seen, here. I've only seen it in video games, so yeah, I'm just it, saying, it yeah. It doesn't work like that in oh, real life, right? Yeah, so right. They do cast, <laughs> they cast the steel into, into billets. The billets yeah. are then forged and rolled out into sheep ah, okay. uh, or, or into bar stock. And then we can take that bar stock and forge it, which is get it hot. And steel, yeah. when it's hot, becomes like plasticine. Yeah, right. And then by hitting it with a hammer, uh, we can then mould it into the shape that we want. Yeah, yeah, between a hammer and anvil or any a hammer and any hard surface. Now, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong here, this genius went on YouTube and he was looking at those paper wheels. Was that you? One of those paper wheel systems? And uh, no, he yeah. saw some guy on the internet using it with a big block of wood or something. So yeah. I, th- I think he actually is going to need one of your products. Oh, I, I, I definitely need it, yeah. Ha- having yeah. a sharp edge on a, on a, on a blade is, is like a, a complex well, for me. I don't as know you can to... see, the bare patches on my arm, I've been yeah. already doing some uh, paper... Ra- <laughs> yeah. Paper wheel sharpening. Um, You're going to need another somebody else's arm. You'll have to pull someone in from the crowd. Oh, and start wear, shaving their arm. No, I'll wear shorts tomorrow and do my legs. So. <laughs> yeah, what did, what right. did you use? He was using something on a, a a bench grinder with a piece of wood and some paste or something. I don't yeah, know. It was something. It like was that. buffing compound on um, like a, a bit of um, MDF or something. Yeah, or? something something like that. Yeah, yeah. but I, doesn't I mean, sound exactly. Not, our our not system's dangerous. a little bit less agricultural and <laughs> it works yeah. very well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you were saying about some of these products, is it, still, is it a lot of older people or are young people getting into knife oh, making look, these days? Believe or? it or not, one of the best knife makers in Australia, um, oh, well, she's, she's getting up there, is uh, Layla Haddad. She's 14. Oh, great. So yeah. she's, um, she's obviously her father is a knife maker, but Layla's yeah, yeah. been exhibiting at shows since she was about 11. Wow. Um, she had a, a good range there at Sydney Knife Show in August. 
So Sydney Knife Show is yeah. the biggest knife show in Australia, and it comes around every year in August. It's also good to see like females getting into to I yeah, guess a male dominated sort of industry. I suppose you know like it's always good to see that. Knife knife making is a um, is a, a hobby that's suitable for anyone. I mean, at the yeah, end of the day, yeah. we all use knives, and even the people yeah. that say, "Oh my God, they're scary! You need to keep them under glass." It shows like oh this. Oh my God, give me a break! Uh, those people have a drawer full of knives in the kitchen, and that's somehow right, yeah. they manage to uh, to cause any. You wouldn't any believe it. All these issues about firearms have now come under knives as well. Hey? Oh yeah. Well, look how yeah, bad it is in the UK. You know, like it's yeah, terrible. Exactly. Over there. What about um, courses? Do people, do, Oh, you know, people run courses. I mean, yeah. I, just, I was just watching uh, one of your TVs over there, oh. and I was watching some of the blacksmithing stuff. And it, I mean, people say it's. You, you, I think you were saying before it's not that hard, but it, it, does, it obviously takes quite a bit of skill. Yeah, look, oh, you know, and and having the right gear to get started, like those little kits are good to do it with basic tools. But if you yeah. want to do it in any functional way, you do need some proper tools. Yeah. So going to do a course is an excellent thing, and then you can learn what tools are the mo- most important ones to get, as well as make a knife. Uh, there's a number of companies. You've got Everly Works uh, here in Sydney that run knife-making courses. Keith Flutter down in Tarmore. Uh, you've got Thower Valley Forge down in Canberra. You've got Wayne Saunders up on the north coast uh, at uh, Iron Lord Forge, uh, just to name a few, and there's, there's plenty yeah. more than that as well. But, again, if you get on that Facebook group, you'll be able to find plenty of information on your a area of, a lot of people that will probably help you out too just from like my own sort of experience like um I, i've got a small sort of block of, of um where i live it's like 600 square meters now H- how can i get into making knives and not piss my neighbors off basically you know like because I've, I've, I've got a bit of a fascination with it i've never done it before but i'd, I'd be worried about having like a, a a forge or a foundry or whatever in the backyard and because i looked at brick ones that on youtube that people make and stuff like that and they run them with a gas furnace or whatnot and and then obviously hammering the metal how big of how big of a property would you need to do it without upsetting your neighbours? You definitely don't need a property. Knife yeah. making is a is a hobby that that in Scandinavia and Norway yeah. they do in winter in the laundry. Oh, really? Okay? So they don't forge. They don't forge the blades there, yeah. but they will make all other aspects of the of the knife. They'll grind. They'll file and okay. uh, make the handles. Uh, I'm myself on a similar size property. I'm running a 25 kilo uh, p- power hammer in my entertaining area. So <laughs> I guess it just depends on how much yeah. commitment your neighbours are and yeah, your relationship yeah. with your neighbours. Yeah. I, um, I, I definitely suggest that in, in a very small shed, you can get away with making knives and, yeah. and do it very proficiently. Yeah. What's, oh, great. What steel do you need to make? I mean, what, what what's the general steel people are using either to make knives or axes or what's the general steel? I don't know much okay, about, obviously. Okay, so it, it, the number of different steels, like just if you look at Gamaco Artisan Supplies website, you'll find about 80 different types of steel. Wow. Now, those are available in a whole range of thicknesses and sizes, many hundreds of types. So when you say what's the best steel, it's a, it's a question with open ends and it depends on personal preference. Yeah. The easiest steel to start with for a beginner, though, is a simple high-carbon steel like 1075 or 1084. Um, these steels are, um, uh, have a, a good range of carbon. They don't have any other alloying elements that you need to worry about during heat treating. They'll get hard and they'll hold a great edge and really easy to work with at home. So yeah, for, right. for somebody expensive that, or not really sorry, uh, sorry expensive yeah. or oh, look not I think really? when you work out blade steel per knife you're looking at about six bucks yeah. something like that wow. per knife so it's not wow. it's not particularly expensive it's probably you could probably buy a Chinese knife cheaper than six dollars but yeah. we're talking decent steel here and not oh. um, 
unknown. Yeah. And where, 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 like for somebody like me that knows nothing about steel and the 1080s and all that sort of, you're talking about, where would you actually go and buy the steel from? Where, where do you get it from? Obviously your website. Well, obviously my website. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But, um, you know, there's people that specialise in making knives from uh, from recycled steels as well, yeah. like old leaf springs, files and saw blades and things. And that that can be quite a rewarding hobby in itself as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it is in a lot of ways trickier than using known steel because the steel that we sell, for example, comes soft, ready to drill and work, and you don't have to do anything silly to it to make yeah, it work. Right. And you sell all the types of steels that on the website? I, I, How many steels would, would you sell? We sell, like I said, about 80 different types 80. of steel. So, oh, right, okay. Yeah, we... Yeah. Um, Definitely don't sell all the steels that exist because oh, okay. there's, there's I thought hundreds, it was the 80 hundreds. steels that exist or is that no, you're there's just a lot more. Yeah, right? yeah. No, there's, <laughs> there's a lot more than what we, what we sell. And obviously, they'll, yeah, it depends on the quality. They'll range in price, won't they? Range yeah, that's right. The, the most expensive steel I sell goes for about two to $3,000 a metre depending on the on, wow. the, on the style. And that's a, is that gold-plated? Uh, no, but <laughs> it is, it is a, if you're familiar with Damascus, it's no Damascus steel oh, made yeah. out of the very highest-end powder metallurgy stainless steel. So it's yeah. Damascus steel, which has got the patterns in it. That's the one, yeah. And it doesn't rust. Yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So your, your normal Damascus knife, if you don't take care of it, yeah. can it look rusty and... and, and ordinary after a little while this particular steel is not only holds an edge like carbon steel but it um it uh, uh, looks great too yeah? and, and having those patterns through the uh through the steel that obviously doesn't um uh, weaken the metal at all does it no. no well in the case of that dharma steel that i was just talking about yeah. that 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 uh, definitely won't have any impact on it just okay. to, due to the process yeah. it doesn't um a lot of people say it strengthens the steel and then okay. originally the processes used were used to strengthen steel but um Today, we do it just purely for yeah. aesthetics. You can't really improve on the steels that, that we have these days. Yeah. How does it actually get the patterns in there? Is that something like that comes with the metal? Well, if you, imagine a deck of, if you imagine a deck of cards, yeah. all right, uh, and you've got uh, a black card and a red card, and you alternate through, we do that with steels. We, get a, oh. we get a, a, a make a deck of cards, which has got a type of steel with manganese right. and a type of steel with nickel. Yeah. And when we take that deck, we heat it up to welding heat, which is about 1,200 degrees Celsius. We hit it with a hammer, and um, we weld it together into a consolidated mass, yeah. and uh, away you go. In fact, you can do it with other things like steel cable and uh, and things. So if, if people didn't have you know like those tools, that, but they buy a piece of metal, are they able to make a knife with basic tools, or is that? Well, that's exactly the purpose of our yeah. beginner knife making kit, which is go. which yep. is all yep. set up to make a knife from basic tools. Oh, good, great. Excellent. What else you guys here? When you got blacksmithing, I'm looking at the card here. Glass. What are you guys doing? Glass. What, what? We do kilns for glass, torches for glass, and borosilicate coloured glass, which is um, it's used to make things um, like what. Well, basically, borosilicate glass in Australia is used to make nice ornamental sculptures. But the biggest market, of course, is functional glass. Yeah, yeah. bongs. Bongs. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> I guess there's a market for bongs, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. I guess there is. Yeah. Maybe there is. Yeah. Uh, what we'll find, I guess final question, God. How did you get into all this? What? what oh, look, I got into knife doing? making in 2000. Um, oh, probably a little bit before. I was in. I was in um, Norway in 1990, 1995, yeah. and uh, I saw the the knives that people were making over there, uh, and I sort of couldn't afford anything, and I thought, oh, I'll make knives. I'll save money and. Yeah. yeah, that's how it all started out. You, know, right. you don't save money making knives, by Through the way. Through necessity, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. No worries. So, all right, Kyle, mate, what's your web? I'm having no, I've got it here. Just no, tell the listeners w- what's your w- website. www.artisansupplies.com.au. Yep, for yeah. all your blacksmithing, knife making, glass, you name it. Uh, what is, what's, what's the phone number there? Do you want to read that uh, out? The so phone you- number there is 02 
All right, no worries. All right, Kyron joins us here on AHP to have a chat uh, from Artisan Supplies about uh, blacksmithing, knife making. Awesome, mate. Thanks for your time. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much, guys. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including 8 years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. Alright, we're here with D and his little daughter Elena. How are you guys going? Yeah, good. How are you, mate? Excellent. Where, where, where did we meet each other? We actually saw each other... Uh I won't say specific state forest, obviously, but uh, we met in a state forest when we were actually out hunting. Yeah, we did. I was driving past, and then I go, oh, I know this bloke from Facebook. <laughs> thought I met a was publisher. it Facebook? Didn't you say it was from YouTube? Did you see me on YouTube? YouTube, yes. I actually thought it was Sydney Militia at first. Oh, yeah, sure. No, don't worry about him, mate. Don't worry about the Sydney Militia. I think I insulted Militia. him a little bit one. <laughs> <laughs> what, who's prettier, me, me or uh, Sean? What do you reckon? Oh, I don't swing that, swing that way, boys. So. <laughs> mate, what brought you to the iHunt Expo today? To be honest with you, just uh, get a bit of information, meet a few hunters. Um, basically, I'm a new beginner at hunting and just learn, I guess. Yeah. Are you going to buy anything today? Obviously, I'm going to buy. I'm looking for a set of um, knives, um, maybe a couple bags, you know, nice yeah. backpack hunting bag and just whatever I can find, to be honest. Yeah. You're only new to hunting. What? Uh, how did you get into hunting? How did you? Was it family or? Well... Um, I've been into guns my whole life, from video games, knives, etc. Um, <laughs> always had the passion for it, but no one I know that actually goes hunting very closely. So one day I just said to myself, you know what, stuff it. As you've seen, I was by myself, made the effort, and I saw so much deer, pigs, and rabbits. Just got to get one now. I yeah. must admit, you were pretty keen, eh, to get out there on your own. What, what made you want to get out on your own? Because when we met in the forest, I was like, this guy's on his own. He's crazy, you know, but some people go hunting on their own. I, I call it well, dedicated. De- yeah. It's dedicated. dedicated. I am, man. I am. Anyone that knows me well, they know I'm a big fisherman. Um, I go out fishing once a week by myself. I don't bother taking anyone. I'm very passionate what about, uh, what I do, and I make sure I actually learn the best tactics about it, so... What do, you, what do you want to hunt and shoot for? What do you want to go for? What is, what's your main well, quarry, you might say? Mainly goats and deer, hopefully. A bit of rabbits on the side and yeah. any, any type of pest. Excellent, excellent. I was going to ask you a question too. Um, what about your, I guess you're married, aren't you married? Yeah, yeah. married, two kids, yeah. <laughs> His little daughter's there. What's she trying to show you something there she on Facebook? She wants to watch ABC <laughs> on the phone. She wants to watch ABC? Yeah. <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, I forgot what question I was going to ask. How long have you had your DPI license for? My DPI license was the first thing I got. I got it as a reason to go hunt, uh, get my gun license. Yeah, right. Um, I've had my license for about a year now. So yeah. basically, I've been to the state forest about eight, nine times. My first time I went, I got a nice goat. That's a lot in, in one year. It is, man. Yeah, and yeah. Like, I try to get out once a week for myself. Me and my wife have a nice agreement. Yeah. One day's my day. Yeah, yeah. And Sunday's the family day. Yeah, right. When you were married, were you into firearms before you got with her at the same yeah, time? Yeah, 100%, 100%, 100%. I was always into it. I've been an avid gamer. Avid gamer yeah, for me probably too. about 10 years now. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a gamer too, Sean? Oh, bad. Yeah. What game? What games do you play? Um, well... 
I used to play a lot of first-person shooters, but until they bring out um, Battlefield Bad Company 3, um, I'm not playing first-person shooters anymore. No. Because it's, it's a travesty. Battle, I'm playing Battlefield 1. one. Yeah, yeah, I've played Battlefield nah, 1. I was a big COD fan and a Counter-Strike nah. fan until they actually changed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, how far is your nearest state forest you've attended? I know where, where, where we went was down south, but... Yeah, um, I've been actually all the way down to the uh, Victorian border nearly. Um, just an hour before it, um, I've gone down to Lifco and Oberon, which isn't that far from me because I used to go full driving a lot there. So, yeah, to be honest with you, the closest one's about a good two hours away. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, there's some good forests uh, around that Look, you can actually get. It's a hard job trying to find the private property. And yeah. with the government, they give us a national park to help with the pest problem. So basically, for us, that's a bonus. And you know yeah. what? It's a win-win for everyone. If you haven't got access to public land, uh, to private land, I, I fully support the DPI license system because, for the first probably I don't know eight, ten years that I started shooting, I never had access to public, uh, private land at all. And it, the only way I could actually get out to do, to do hunting was through the DPI. And then they bloody shut it down for what was it? Nearly a year, a few, a few years back, and that that yeah. devastated me. Yeah. What, what's your next game you want to get? What's next on your... Okay, what have you shot first, I guess? Well, so far I've shot Rabbit, Deer... Uh, sorry, Rabbit, Goat. Deer's my next on the cards. I've yeah. seen a lot of Deer as we spoke that day. It's more... I don't want to shoot if I'm not 100% sure I'm going to get the target, which I'm now better at my target yeah. aiming and um, getting the bullet in the right place that I want it. Um, basically, if I can't find the right buck that I want, I won't take the shot unless it's to eat. And right now, by myself, I can't really cut a deer up by myself. Yeah. I'm not confident yet. So I don't want to waste the animal. What, what distance do you feel comfortable taking an animal? Like two, well, 300 metres, 50 metres? Right whatever? now, at 100 metres, I've got a five-cent coin, seven bullets in oh, the same hole. Great. And a five-cent coin piece. Yeah. Um, now I've took it up to taken it up to 200 metres, which I'm fairly confident yeah. un- under one group, uh, one-inch grouping. Yeah, yeah. So I'm fairly confident now. That's great. Awesome, mate. What about, um, I mean, do you know a lot about the gun laws in Australia? Do you think too strict, not strict enough, just right? To be honest with you, I reckon it's too strict. I think they put a lot of New South Wales, especially, yeah. with appearance laws. It's really unbelievable, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. The, the Desert Tactical Arms got um, banned recently. Exactly, like, exactly. Especially with the big commotion about the Adler and this new gun that I've seen that, you know, yeah. appearance-wise, they banned it straight away with like two days I think it yeah, was yeah. I was like I was actually thinking about buying that it was to be the, honest uh, the OFA was that's it? the one that's the orangey one, one yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah is that that rifleman one is that the yeah rifleman yeah, yeah. Oh, Red River well, or something you buy? it looked a bit odd though to me I mean it looks okay but it, it looks looked good. awesome man what are you talking about <laughs> yeah yeah it looks great you love that sort of stuff oh, I, love it, you yeah. love it. I can't get enough of it you're like, are you like a tactical whore you I am a tactical whore yeah I've seen a few of his collections they're very nice mate what else is coming up for you so we get any more trips coming up for you I've been held back a little bit due to financial reasons with the house and everything like that and business yeah. wise but um, I have been I was meant to go out this week until I found out about the hunt fest, uh, hunt show Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to book for the next public holiday and just short trips in between yeah. so hopefully there'll be more f- trips for me do, do you have a favourite time of the year that you like to go hunting? well first thing you'll read up about hunting like for example I learned from fishing what do yeah. you do first thing um, you sort of research your, your target Yeah, yeah. Um, I learned that the right period was going to be the time of the year so yeah. I basically was in that time of the frame of uh, the year Yeah, yeah. Um, so I said look I'm just going to get out there if I see something I'll see something yeah. if I don't I went for a nice bushwalk that, that, like, yeah, yeah. that actually segues into the next um, into the next question when you're out and you say I'm assuming you're hunting trying to hunt deer do you only go for your specific target animal or are you going for targets of opportunity like if you see a fox will you try and take that or you only focus on deer if you're going for deer 
to be honest with you, if I'm not seeing any signs of deer, yes, I'll go for other stuff. Yeah. That's where I shot my bunny, my first bunny and yeah. my first goat. But if I'm seeing signs, obviously, I don't want to scare the deer off. You know, if I haven't seen something for a good couple of hours and no signs and everything like that, yeah. my game plan changes. I did that. On the last trip too, I went to hunt deer and I saw a fox. It ran out right in front of me and I thought, oh, I'll just leave it. Yeah. But then it just sat up in front of me about 100 metres away. I pretty much laid on the ground, had my backpack there, put my gun on my backpack, got on the ground in the like, prone position. Yeah. Power, see you later. Yeah. Thanks for coming. It was awesome. What um, What's your favourite rifle? What, what type of rifle do you like to At take? At the moment, him? I've only it's got the C- one. It's your CTR. Yeah, as ah. Jason's already mentioned on yeah. um, his podcast before. Yeah. Well, when I went out in the bush, I, I saw him hunting and I looked at the gun and I thought, what's, he's got a heavy barrel CTR. And I yeah. thought, he's going to be hurt enough to carry that for a long <laughs> way, I tell you. Yeah. To be yeah. honest with you, it's not that bad. I'm a tradie by trade, so I'm always carrying heavy things. You know, yeah. I'm all, I'm, I work above head height all the time. So yeah. I've, I've walked easy 18, 20 kilometres with that thing. I had no issues with wow. it. But the problem is when I've seen a lot of barrels and aiming after you've been walking for so long and you're puffed out up a hill, yeah. it does make a difference, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, trying to hold it up, yeah. That's why I stick to what. So what's your next purchase going to be? What do you want? What are you looking at? Well, I'm going to get another probably a 308. Um, I'm looking at a light, super light, or maybe just, you know, not so heavy barrel. Um, what about a Ruger Scout? That's another one on the cards, yeah. but I'm trying to stick to the Tika brand if I can. I like yeah. the Tika for some reason. Yeah, yeah, he's a smart man, this guy. He's a smart man. Yeah, Tika. Cool. And possibly a 223 no, Adler. Oh, definitely an Adler, yeah. Do you like? Do you guys like the Adlers? I, I like it because it's a symbol of... Well, uh, screw you to the government. Screw you to I'm the greens. Just greens the government. Yeah. Too, mate. Because they, when they say that this is the gun you shouldn't have, that's the gun you need to buy. All right, going on just to a couple more questions. I mean... Political parties, do you vote for pro-gun parties? No, do you vote for other issues or just pro-gun? Or I've always been a fan of not voting for the big guns. Um, after I got into a, like the whole hunting and everything like that, my views have changed dramatically, but before that I was always hunting the Fisherman's Party due yeah. to being a fisher. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, no, that's all right. What are they doing? You mean shooters and fishers? That are you shooters doing? and fishers, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. And do you, um, do you contact your uh, state and federal members about guns on a regular um, basis or...? Have you thought no. about doing that? Do you know who, their names and that? Like, yeah. Oh, look, I was um, from the inner west before, and yeah. we were in the—I won't say names—but yeah, yeah. in one of the parties, a member of them. So every you know, a couple of months, we'd have a little gathering and everything like that. I've right. spoken to them about it. Um, to be honest with you, they weren't very pro-gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't change anyone's mind. Yeah. I can just pester them about it until yeah. they try and learn something about it. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. You know, just keep it on the agenda all the time. Even if you don't 100%. get any change, at least you're doing something. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. Have you got anything else planned coming up? No, no plans. At the moment, I'm just looking out, trying to figure out what gun I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Told you, mate. Anything ticker? Yes, you're champion, mate. Yeah. Oh, unless you got a Seiko. <laughs> well, you can. I mean. I can't really afford those expensive ones. Well, I can, but I don't know. Ticker seems to be middle of the road, great for hunting. You know, if you're going out four or five times a year, it's a great rifle. I mean, they're all, they're really good in that price range. You know, Howe is pretty good. You've got some, mm. you know, Rugers. You've got Savage. You've got different firearms. I mean, they will do the job, no problem. Apparently, those Howe 1500s are right on the money, especially for the 223s. Two, two, I've heard a lot of people yeah. talk two, two, about three, them. especially for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I have heard that a lot, eh? Yeah. Anyway, D, mate, thanks for joining me no, here no, on AHP, and uh, hopefully, you know, on the next trip, might invite you on the next trip if you want to come along, you know. Yeah, yeah. mate, I'll probably yeah. end up seeing you there regardless yeah. around yeah. those areas. Yeah, just stay <laughs> away from my hunting areas, all right? Oh, mate, don't worry, I'll be <laughs> on the opposite side. <laughs> all right, thanks, mate. Appreciate thanks, buddy. It. Have a good day. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.